Hey everybody, I am Stephanie Goss and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Annie and I are diving into yet another topic from the mailbag. You all have been on fire lately and I am here for it. This one was amazing. No exception. Uh, It was so great. It came to us from a listener who said, hey, look, I've heard you and Andy talk here and I've seen a lot in lots of other places about toxic work environments and toxic employees, but I haven't seen a whole lot of information about how to tell if you might be a toxic person and also how do we prevent toxicity from forming, what might trigger it, etc. And I definitely haven't heard anything about what to do if you think that you might be the one who is becoming toxic. I absolutely loved this email and all of the questions that this listener asked us. And I cannot wait to dive into this conversation. Andy and I had so much fun recording this one. I hope that uh, it is fun and helpful and engaging for all of you to listen to. So let's get into this one, shall we? And now the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie. Don't you know that you're toxic God? <laughs> I was really hoping that you were going to sing Britney Spears for us. That's really what I was hoping for. <laughs> I, I have this, So I'm hanging out with my 11 year old uh, because I'm driving her around to camp and everything uh-huh. in the day. I've listened to Dua Lipa levitating three yeah. times today and it's lunchtime <laughs> and she sings all the words how fun so, for you <laughs> yeah yeah you know what i have i have a christmas present suggestion for you oh yeah what is that uh-huh airpods <laughs> airpods for my kids oh yeah, yeah. Uh, here you go just plug, it, plug yourself it, in yeah it, you know i am i am like uh I, I really have been trying to focus this year on um, more intentional time with the kids as, as a family and really have been trying to ratchet back the screen time. Like we had the conversation with our pediatrician who was asking about like screen time and he was just yeah. like, now's the age where we really need to like ratchet it back. And I was like, okay. So I've been trying, but uh, you know, summer has hit and, yeah. uh, and the, we had some camp stuff and now we have a week where nothing is, uh, you know, we've got stuff happening, but like they're not going anywhere during the day. And so it's yeah. like it's like during the pandemic when they were home and I'm trying to work and we were just getting, we were just getting ready to start. And I had just hit like set everything up and hit record. And then the door to my <laughs> the door to my closet office opens and the kid walks in and is like, here, I brought you this. You left it on the counter. I'm like, OK, that's not important. And I told you not yeah. to interrupt. <laughs> To interrupt already, but well, it's that but time in the you summer. Left it on the counter, and I thought you might want it. Yeah, and bless his heart, I appreciate it so much. But yeah. like, uh, I I will admit, I unlocked uh, the time limits on their devices and gave them headphones <laughs> and was like, "Here, go with God, have fun." <laughs> I, yeah. like, I, I oh, need yeah. a couple hours of peace to work, please. I, that that is the modern parenting right there. It's sort of like you know just holding out against the onslaught for screen time especially yeah. when you're working from home it's like oh it's, it's just brutal it's just brutal i have a christmas gift for you <laughs> a lock we for got, my door <laughs> we got yeah it's a lock for your closet it's a it's an exterior lock for your closet you're gonna totally wig out any service provider who comes to your house I'm like why do you have a lock on the outside of your closet um, yeah we're just not going to talk about that. Yeah, no, exactly. No <laughs> it's uncharted after dark answer. Exactly. But, <laughs> exactly. What's uh, um, what's your actual Christmas present though? We got it. We got an, We got a message through social media from one of our Australian listeners. Uh huh. And he says that in Australia, the word "doodle" <laughs> is slang for the male anatomy. <laughs> and so every time we talk about playing with my doodle and <laughs> taking my doodle for a walk. And how I have a bad doodle. Um, he just has to collect himself for like oh, a half an God. hour. And it made me I mean, so happy and I, so I, and so mortified at the same time. I wish you I wish you guys could see Andy's face right now because he's blushing quite nicely. I oh. uh this this makes me delighted. Oh yeah. Um and I I will also I will also say that um that that is fantastic and we thought we were a work appropriate show but maybe I apparently know. not i guess not <laughs> um, 
Not in Australia, anyways. <laughs> I know it's not in Australia. <laughs> the rest of the world, we get we get an explicit label in Australia right. that we couldn't we couldn't explain before now, but now I get it. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, I am now not going to be able to <laughs> to I be know. able to refer to Skipper Rourke. <laughs> I know as Andy's doodle. Oh God! Yeah, Dude, this is going right. to be a fun let's, one to edit. Okay, yeah. moving on. No, uh, let's move. Let's move on from this. But so, I knew how happy that would make you, and I was like, I just have to share this with Stephanie. I think there might be some good uh, Uncharted After Dark edits that come out of this one. Um, I we speaking of listeners, though, we have a a good mailbag topic that I've been uh, waiting for us to be able to get to. This this one, um, I think is is fun, and I'm excited to dive into it. So. We had somebody who said, it, like, just recently, you guys had done a podcast and talked about being toxic, actually, which is where this came from. And they said, I hear a lot of discussion here on the podcast, but also other places about toxic work environments and toxic employees. And I'm struggling to find out how to tell if you're the toxic person in that situation, and also how to prevent toxicity from forming in the workplace, what might trigger it, etc. Um, and they said, and I really haven't heard a whole lot on what to do if you think you're the one who's toxic, right? And it, it was funny to me because when I read it, I started thinking about it and looking through stuff. And there's tons of reference material out there and research information about what is a toxic workplace, how to tell if people you work with are toxic, right? Yeah. But there's not a lot of stuff geared towards how do you how do you decide if you're the toxic one? And uh, they said, you know, recently you guys were talking about um, a person becoming toxic. And and one of you said that there's no going back, which found it sounded really final and kind of terminal to me. And they said, I, I'm really hoping that that's not the case for me. Uh, they recognize that they feel a little toxic right now. They don't want to continue to be that way. They also don't want to leave and go be toxic somewhere else. They just are feeling really stuck because they want things to improve at the practice that they're at and for themselves. And so they said, I, I fear, uh, I fear, I think that some of what I think are toxic feelings and behaviors are coming from a place of, I started out really optimistic and I was really positive about change that was happening in the practice. I had a lot of ideas. We were working together, things like improving patient care, efficiency, workflow. But I feel like at this point, it's starting to be kind of lip service. They're saying that things are going to change and then the changes aren't happening the way that they are promised. And when I combine that with my own they said my own stubborn streak that means I don't want to take no for an answer <laughs> yeah. and that I hate being ignored. I feel like I am asking repeatedly for change and it's not going anywhere. And so um, they were just like, you know, I I know that there are other options. I know that I I know that I could leave, um, but I I'm an associate doctor. I see so much potential in this practice. Mm -hmm. I want to help change. And I'm wondering what I what I can do so that I don't become the toxic one here because they said, I feel like I'm just stuck in a big giant rut. Yeah. I, I like this. Uh, I have this question. Um, I, I've, I've heard a couple different uh, versions of it over the years. So I think it's good. I think it's good when people have that question of, am I becoming toxic? Um, I, I think most of us go through periods like this in our life at some yes. point. And I, so, so I have asked myself that question. <laughs> in fact, yeah. I, I think I called you and said, okay, I'm going to tell you something and then I need you to tell me, am I, am I the toxic asshole here? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And I've had that conversation. <laughs> well, and you, you can see, the reason I like this so much is that you can see exactly where it comes from. So, okay, so so let's put ourselves in the position of this associate and you're in this practice and, and say it's it's a corporate practice or leadership's not there or the, or the leadership that is there has fairly limited power in what they can do right. in their short term, right? It's, sure. not a, it's not a small ship now. They are one member of a huge fleet that right. is all trying to get their stuff organized together so they can move in one massive formation. And you see massive potential. You're making suggestions. You're asking for changes. You're seeing obvious things that you think would work on the ground to make life better for everyone. And you're getting some lip service, but nothing is happening. And so you're getting frustrated with the fact that these things are not changing. And, um, and, and, and you're seeing obvious places where things could be improved and they're not being improved. Mm -hmm. So just, just imagine for a second that you're working in an inefficient system that causes you to do extra work every day just because you don't have the tools that you need to, to make your life better. I think that would bother all of us. Sure. And what happens is, and we see this in our lives, it's, it's, the, it's the death spiral, meaning I, I'm unhappy 
And so I show that I'm unhappy and I, and I cross my arms and I disengage or I cross my arms and I get frustrated and I speak to you in a more curt manner, which mm -hmm. decreases the chances of you doing the thing that I want to do and maybe makes you feel more defensive, which then makes me feel like I'm not getting anywhere else. And right. then you start to ignore me because I'm negative every time you see me. You start to mm -hmm. avoid me. People stop taking me seriously because I'm complaining all the time, which then makes me more angry because I'm being ignored and not taken seriously. And so I act out more. And you see this, we've all seen this to the person who had a good relationship with the practice or with a, a, a sports team or a volunteer organization and they they start to butt heads or they get frustrated and they show their frustration which causes people to back away from them which gets mm -hmm. them more frustrated sure. until ultimately the whole thing crashes and burns and so we it, this is not uncommon and i think the fact that this person sees opportunity for improvement and so much uh potential and is making these recommendations oftentimes that plays a critical role in being this sort of toxic i'm using the word toxic not not really in a literal sense but right. um but but it, it sets them up to be toxic which is really ironic because if they didn't care enough to make suggestions if they just were punching the clock then they wouldn't be bothered so much so they wouldn't get so frustrated yes. and angry which wouldn't make the whole thing worse <laughs> It's funny because I I had this literal conversation with someone yesterday and mm -hmm. came coming to that place of the reason that you're so upset and the way that you're acting the way that you're acting is because you care, which is right. a which is a good thing inherently yep. is a good thing, and it still has to change the out the outcome still has to change Correct. right. I agree. The other point that I want to make is I have said many times, if you have a toxic person in your practice, generally the only way that toxicity is going to end is if that person is removed from the practice or if you leave the practice. Mm -hmm. And I've said that a number of times. There's a big caveat to that that I want to make right here because it's really important. If you have a toxic person who is not interested in not being a toxic person and who is not willing to put in the work to become a non-toxic person, then everything I said was true. Yes. If you think that you're the toxic person, that's different because you do have the power to change your behavior. Yes. We all have the power to change our behavior. You may not be able to change what's happening to you, but you do have the power to change how you respond to it. Yes. And so it is 100% in your control if you think that you are being in a toxic mind space, uh, mind space, whether or not you continue down that path. Yep. And so, so I want to put that forward as a as a point of light at the beginning. So let's let's talk about some headspace. You want to? Yeah, let's do it. All right, cool. All right. Am I the toxic person? I think we've all. So I just said we all go through periods of this, mm -hmm. right? Your reputation is based on your pattern of behavior. I have been toxic for a day. I've probably been toxic for a week or a month or maybe even a quarter at times in my life when I was frustrated or I was down or I was burned out, you know, or, or I was whatever. You know, I, I think we've all probably gone through those things. If you're dealing with someone who's going through a divorce, uh, they're probably feeling a bit toxic, uh, you know, and that's understandable. Um, we're all human beings. Most of us can't compartmentalize everything and be perfect every day. Like we just, we're not, we're not built that way. And so there is a natural variance around the mean where everybody has bad days. I don't care how good you are. We all have bad days. When we talk about someone who's really becoming toxic, what we see is a consistent pattern or a progression in that negative direction that says, yes, I'm becoming toxic. So, so how do we how do we know for there? And for me, there's two tests okay. that we do. The first one is and uh, and uh, parental advisory here. There's some there's some language coming. Um, <laughs> it's the a hole test. Uh, that's not that I'm going to say the word. I'm just building up to it. I don't. We got it. We got a letter one time saying, "Hey, I love to listen to your show with my kids," and I, I've never forgotten it. I'm always like, Aw. I know. I I Come also on. I already made a note to have our editor bleep my bleep, bleep my comment earlier okay. because right, I was we like, it. we need a right. we need a comment. There, there is a there is a famous quote, and I can't remember who says it, but basically, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Basically, it says, "If you wake up in the morning and you meet an asshole, then you met an asshole. If you wake up in the morning and everyone you meet all day is an asshole, then you're the asshole." Mm -hmm. And I have found that to be a good measure for me. Sure. If I'm mad at everybody or if I'm mad at three different people, I'm probably the one who is uh, who is causing the problem. 
You know, if I if I'm get up and I right. uh, and I get into a spat with my wife and my kids frustrate me and my technician is irritating me in my first appointment. It's not about my wife or my kids or my technician. It's about me. I have right. no doubt that I yes. am. I am the one. Yes. And so if you're beefing with multiple people <laughs> and it's the pet owners and it's the staff and it's the other doctors and it's the management, you are the common denominator in all of these beefs. And yeah. you need to consider that you are the the negative force here. And I think I think you're spot on. And I think that that I was going to. um interject earlier when you were yeah. talking about about being being the toxic one and i think how we use the word is really important because i think a lot of times um the word can be used very loosely when yes. people are when it shouldn't be so ev- like you said everybody has a bad day everybody sometimes has a bad week or something is happening in their life and they go through a period of time that's even bad and i think that's why you're um <laughs> that's why the analogy you just gave is such a great one because the question is are you are you having a bad day but there are still things that are good and interactions that are good um there are people you can work with just fine, right? Like, is it everybody or is it you? And I think that that's really important. And I think too often, um, I'm glad we're talking about it more in our industry. And Mm -hmm. I think that too often we use the word toxic to describe people and situations that are um, maybe not actually toxic and yep. or are very transient versus a sustained um, period of behavior that really needs some some further examination. And so I'm really glad you said that because I think it is important to look at, are, are you the common denominator? <laughs> yeah. so, you know, is it is it you? Or really are there things, um, is, is this temporary? Are you having a bad week? Are you having a, are you having a bad day? But like at some point when you wake up and you're having a bad year, it, it like yeah. that's that's a period of time where maybe like you should start to take a look at that right you know so i, yeah. I think that that's really important in in judging how uh, it's a piece of judging how are we using the word and are we using it correctly yeah i agree with that let's l- let's define let's sort of define the term here so for me uh there's the term there's how we use it so the term toxic to me it the reason i like that term is because mm-hmm. to me something that's toxic leaches into the environment Yep. It corrupts the area around it. And so if someone comes in and they're just having a bad day, if they're not coercing other people to have bad days, if they're not making other people unhappy or ill at work, then mm-hmm. then they're not toxic. But to me, toxic has this leeching effect of being con- like contagious, affecting the area, the people around them. Um, uh, a toxic uh, is something that a toxin is something that that kills. Meaning, nothing moves forward because this person just undermines it and causes it to die. Mm-hmm. And so, so when when this person is the cause of uh, a death of progress of progress. And this person is affecting those around them in a negative, sort of sickening sort of way. That is a toxic person. Uh, now, wait on. That is that is toxic. The way that we use it is um, we say that people are toxic, and that's lazy language, and I'm very uh, guilty of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. They're, Toxic behavior is different from, say, the person is toxic. Because when yes. I say Stephanie Goss is toxic, I'm not talking about Stephanie's behavior anymore. I'm talking about her as a person. That's a right. pretty significant step. And I do think that we throw that around and we say that person is toxic. What yes. we mean is that person is exhibiting toxic behaviors. Yes. At some point, if you exhibit toxic behaviors for a long enough and consistent enough period of time, then it is highly understandable that someone would say that person is toxic. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I think we jump to that much faster than we probably should. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that. And I think um, it's it's interesting because I uh, when I was getting ready for this and I was looking at it, I read a I read an article uh, from the Harvard Business School and and they were they had done a big research study about toxicity at work. And one of the things that they did was kind of define it. And I really liked the way that they looked at it uh, from a truly like stark perspective. It was when the behaviors are, are harmful to the other employees or the organization. And it was, it was nice because when I was reading it and I started thinking about it, I was like, okay, you, you can have somebody who is acting in a way that is negative 
um, and even borderline toxic. But for me, it was like a stark separation of when you when you have somebody who is intentionally or even unintentionally doing things that are harmful to other people or to the to the group or to the company like that's a really clear indication to me right and for me it hit, it was like oh okay that becomes easier to separate out from the beha- the behavior in the moment this is a thing or things that are being done um versus somebody's having a somebody's having a really bad day or really bad week, right? Because I think that there are cases where you can have somebody who hasn't, doesn't have a behavioral pattern, but does does instantly have harmful, toxic behavior, right? Like they can make a choice to do something behaviorally that is toxic to the business or the group. They could steal, they could, uh, you know, harass other people, like they could do things. And that, that in and of itself is a very stark and separate definition, right? And so for me, like when I started thinking about it and we were getting ready for this episode, I was like, I really think we need to look at how are we using that word? And so Mm -hmm. I really like, I really like what you said about leashing out into all of the other things, because I do think that there's, um, you have to look at the impact to others, right? To the, to the team, to other people in the, in the company that your company touches and also to the organization itself. Yeah. Well, having negative thoughts and feelings or being frustrated, that's being human. That's right. not that's not a, an awful thing. We all have those times. Right. Uh, being frustrated and conducting yourself professionally is a feat of strength. That is something to be respected because everybody does it. Um, and so getting angry or upset or frustrated, that's not failure. That's not a bad thing. It really is. What do you do with that? Do you hold on to it? Do you express it in a in a um, in a positive, productive or just healthy way? Or do you take it and spread it around and sort of undermine what, what's going on around you? Right. So, so back to back to sort of our assessment. Um, the first part is the a-hole rule. Right. Um, am I am I beefing with with multiple people? <laughs> then it's probably me. The other one is a straight up self behavior analysis. And this is just at the end of the day, stopping for a second and saying, okay, what are behaviors that make people toxic? It's cynicism, it's negativity, right? It's saying hurtful things to people or just Uh saying negative things to people. It's making fun of things, it's gossiping, it's um, refusing to participate. It's, it's those types of behaviors. So we all know where they were. Honestly, if and this is why it's hard for the individual to change, do a self-assessment. At the end of the day, what toxic behaviors did you do today? And we all probably do something uh, during a day. You know what I mean? It's, it's just if you were like, oh, I did gossip this morning. Note that and try to do better. It doesn't mean you're a toxic person. But if right. you come up with five toxic things you did today and tomorrow you're going to come up with three or four more, you need to take note of that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just having the wherewithal to say, I sat in the staff meeting and I crossed my arms and I did not participate. And when it was over, I told Stephanie that I thought the meeting was stupid. And mm-hmm. I said that. Are, do you have enough self-awareness to look at yourself that way and, and realize that you made that decision? Did I act in a passive aggressive way when I told some, you know, someone asked me my opinion and I told him it was fine. Was, you know, was I, was I, mm-hmm. self, uh, was I being passive aggressive? And it's just straight up asking yourself, what honestly what what did i do here's here's the balance right what did i do to make the lives of the people around me better and happier to make the practice more positive mm-hmm. and then what did i do that would shine a negative light on people around me or uh, or the practice or the things going on there and if you're way out of balance you need to recognize that mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. start to make a challenge or start to make a change. I, I don't think she minds me telling the story. I've said it a number of times. It happened a long time ago. But I do. I remember my wife, who is a very positive, very, very strong person. Uh, she was hanging around with someone from a place that she was working early on who just had a very cynical sense of humor and was mm-hmm. just sarcastic. And I remember it affected her. And and at one point I said to her, I was like, hey, you seem really unhappy because every time you bring up work, you mention these things that are not nice or not fun or that bother you or make you angry. And she started, she sort of, she thought about it and she looked at it and she said, you know what, you're right. 
I like I every I'm saying all these negative things and I actually like my job. Mm-hmm. And she noticed that in the end, the answer for her was to distance herself from this person who kind of lived in that headspace. But it was something amazing that I saw in my life was someone wrecking being self-aware enough to recognize their behaviors when they were sort of pointed out and go, oh, my gosh, I'm doing this and I don't want to do it. And so I'm going to make a change. And she and she did. But I just think when I talk about what is your behavioral self-assessment, that's what I'm referring to is looking yeah. around and going, man, I make a lot of cutting jokes about our practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's they're not they're not uplifting. They're they're kind of down pushing. And I think the other piece of that that's important because the whole point, right, is that you're self-reflecting. So nobody's yeah. going to judge you for it. It's it's your own it's your own thoughts. I think it's also really important to look at not just your behaviors, but your thoughts. Because to your point earlier, like you may be in a situation where you are containing yourself outwardly, but I know I have been in this space where I go to work and I'm keeping it together. And if you asked my team, they wouldn't have, they would have said I'm my usual self, maybe a mm-hmm. little quieter than normal, but I wasn't outwardly doing anything. But if you ask me to self-reflect on the inside, mm-hmm. like the negativity and the the negative talk, it, the conversation I was having with myself in my head, yeah, I would have told you, oh yeah, this is, this is not so great. Cause I hit all of your points um, on the self-assessment. I just wasn't doing any of it out loud. I was sitting right. in a staff meeting going, this is a freaking joke. Why are we, ha- why are we having this meeting? Right. Like, yeah. it's the, the, so I think it's really important to, to when you are self-reflecting to look at it from both sides of the coin, because I think you can absolutely be having that conversation in your head and yeah. that you know that, that negativity is renting space in there but it's just not spilled out in an outward way where people can see it yet I, I think that that head conversation i think that's a stepping stone mm-hmm. to toxic behaviors yeah. there's yeah. that uh quote from lao Tzu that i love and, and and i may not get it exactly right but basically it's beware your thoughts they become your words uh, beware your words because they become your actions. Beware right. your actions because they become your habits. Beware your habits because it becomes your character. Beware your character. It becomes your destiny. And so that, but that first part of your thoughts, they go first. Yes. And and then the next part is the manifestation of those thoughts. And I think it's yes. probably only only a, a matter of time. And so when you catch yourself having those thoughts, I call it the, the headspace handbrake mm-hmm. is, when I catch myself arguing with an imaginary person in the shower, <laughs> that, yeah. that's a flag. That's a flag for me. I'm yeah. like, why am I in this combative headspace? And yeah. if you find yourself in that space again and again and again, um, that's when I know it's time it's, for therapy. <laughs> I was just like, it, it is it's so, some something needs to change, yeah. right? Like there is something going on that needs to be addressed because even if I'm not undermining the team, which is good. I don't want to live in a negative headspace. And yeah. if this is a place that I'm saying, whether it's because of something that's going on in my practice or because of something that's going on internally with me, I need to take steps to to deal with those things. Mm-hmm. And the, the last part of headspace that I would say for this is when you have these revelations, right? When you look at this and you go, oh my God, I think it's me. I think I, I, think I am. I at least living in this negative headspace, if not yet manifesting it. Right. Um, This is not a, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and this problem is going to be over. I'm going to stop. This is going to be a path back. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, resolve yourself um, to to working back to a positive place and and just know, you know what, I'm going to put one foot in front of the other and I'm going to start getting getting better and getting more positive. And it's going to take some time. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's part of it because I think it becomes much easier for other people to give you grace when you start with yourself because you know yeah. we're all our own worst critics and if you're beating yourself up, your behavior is not going to change as much outwardly for other people to be able to, um, you know, see it and acknowledge it as well. So it's got to it's got to start with with you and it it's, it won't happen overnight. No, I agree. You got anything to add to Headspace? No, you want to take a break and then. Okay, well, for for our, for our poor writer, like they feel like this might be where they're sitting. What do we do with it? Yeah, we can we can we can work on that. Let's take a break. Okay. 
Hey everybody, this is Stephanie and I'm gonna jump in here for one quick second and make sure that you know about a few things that are coming up that I'm pretty sure you're not gonna wanna miss. But before I do that, I have to say thank you. Thanks to a generous gift from our friends at Banfield Pet Hospital, we are now able to provide transcripts for all of our podcast episodes and we have to just say thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Andy and I have wanted to make the podcast more accessible and when we were pondering the idea of how do we make transcripts a thing, Our friends at Banfield stepped up in a big way and said, hey, we are striving to increase accessibility and inclusivity across the profession. This fits with that mission for us and we would love to sponsor it. So the 2022 podcast episodes are all now being transcribed and brought to you by our friends at Banfield Pet Hospital. To check out the transcript and find out more about what Banfield is doing to increase accessibility and inclusivity across the vet profession, head over to unchartedvet.com forward slash blog, and you can find each one of the podcast episodes and a link to find out more about equity, inclusion, and diversity at Banfield. And now, hey, party people, I am going to jump in here for one quick second and make sure that you know about a workshop that is coming up. It is called Navigating Neurodiversity, Your Clients, Coworkers, and Self. And it is with the amazing Dr. Amanda Doran. Amanda is an Uncharted member. She is a wonderfully kind and funny person. And she is going to be leading us through a conversation about learning how to navigate interactions with different individuals and creating a culture within our practices that is both supportive of and inclusive of neurodiversity. It is a really, really important topic. It is one that I think needs to have a lot more discussion in veterinary medicine. And we are really excited to be bringing this one to you. It is happening on July 27th. It is a 7 p.m. Eastern session. So it is two hours. It will be over at 9 p.m. Eastern, which means 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And it is $99 for members of the public. And it is free as always for our Uncharted members. And this workshop is awesome. We also have uh, more coming up throughout the summer and the calendar at unchartedvet.com forward slash events is constantly being updated. I encourage you, if you are not currently an Uncharted member to head on over to the website, check out what's coming up and remember that all of our workshops like this are free for our Uncharted members. And now back to the podcast. All right. Well, let's talk about some action steps. So we've talked a bit about, um, am I the toxic person? If I am, does that mean I'm doomed? And I, I hope we've come to a good, healthy place on that. Right. Um, we need now to uh, to do a little root cause analysis. And okay. so if I'm, I can control how I react to it, to the situation. And if I'm reacting in a toxic way, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that. But I also owe it to myself to get into a healthy place where I'm not just suppressing negative emotions that I'm having because I don't want to keep working in a place where I'm going to have these negative emotions right. again and again and again. Right. Part of it just comes from um, deciding how you're going to respond and deciding that you want to, uh, uh, you know, there's the phrase choose happy and it, it gets crapped on a lot. Um, yeah. But it really does work. And a lot of times we choose kind of how we respond yeah. to uh, to our to our situation. One of the things I want to point out just from this letter, and this is something that I have wrestled with in my life, okay, is the idea of should. Okay. Should is a dangerous word that uh, sets a lot of us up for frustration. And when we start thinking about what people should do and what the practice should do and how things should be done and how clients should behave. (laughs) um, There's a lot of potential disappointment in there. There is so much potential disappointment and no control. Right. No control. Like, I can't make the practice do anything. I can't make the clients do anything. Right. Um, One of the things that I learned in my life that was super helpful is to try to take the word should out of my vocabulary because doesn't matter what the practice should do. All that matters is what they are doing or right. what they're going to do or what or they what say they they're going do. to do yeah. and what mm-hmm. they can do. Yep. Um, and, and so thinking about what they should do is not helpful. Yeah. And I think that we should set that aside because that makes people frustrated. And so I think that we can go to the practice and say, hey, there's a problem that I see. Uh, I have some ideas on how we might move forward in a different way. Can I present those to you? Or would you be open to talking about them? No? Okay, 
All right. Um, and then I go cool. away and, and, and I, it doesn't help me to say, well, they should listen to me. Uh, that doesn't help. But I go away and say, you know what? I I presented them with a problem and with solutions and they didn't want to talk to me. Right. And that and that's where we are. And I am going to make decisions not based on what they should do, but based on the reality of the situation. I so I always start. I always try to want to point that out and just say, hey, there's lots of things the practice should do. But you should not sit and think about what they should do. You should make peace with the fact that they didn't do it or they did do it and they will continue to do it. Um, and 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 what is possible doesn't matter. And I think that that causes a lot of pain for a lot of in a lot of different areas. Like we've all worked with someone and you say, man, she should just she should just be more positive. And this will everything all go would be better. fine. Yeah, she, exactly. She should just she should just get along with the other person. And if she did, then this would all be great. We know what she's not getting along with the other person. Right. And, and we have discussed it and she's not going to get along with the other person. And so dwelling on what they should do and how things should be, it, it doesn't make any sense it doesn't help and i just want to point out like this is uh <laughs> you're starting with the frog here because this is probably the hardest of all of the things we're going to talk about to do yeah. because it's a it's a radical uh mind frame shift and it mm -hmm. is something that has to be come a repeated conscious behavioral choice yep. to change from thinking in shoulds to thinkings and cans or mites or you know maybes like when you're yeah. when you're trying to eliminate that is again it's not one of those things that happens overnight and it's something you have to tell yourself and because you will you you will slip up and you will yep. like I, you know and even when you've been practicing that for a long period of time you will still have times where you're just like and it just you know it just comes out and it takes practice um, and conscious effort on your part to rein it, to rein it in and make the change. And, and I'll tell you guys on a, on a personal level, on a really similar way, um, since I was start first started in veterinary medicine, um, I took a class and I learned about the concept of transformational vocabulary. And it's what you're talking about, Andy, right? It's about taking a, taking a word that generally has a negative connotation and flipping it around so that you're using things that come from a, from a positive perspective. And a really, a really big one and also a very difficult one for me was the word but. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and not in the, <laughs> not in the anatomical sense. Right. So it's like, we say, I think about how many times in a day I say, but this, but that, but, mm -hmm. you know, and what I realized is that when you say the word, but it does have a very negative connotation. And mm -hmm. most of the time people stop listening because you're, they feel like you're just when you're, when you hear it, when you're receiving it in the sentence, if somebody says to me, but Stephanie, I I disconnect from that because I feel like they're going to dismiss yep. whatever is whatever I said because they've put the butt in there and um and so we it there's a whole backstory behind it but our team at the time um was having a significant challenge with some negativity and so one of the things that we chose to tackle was was the word butt and and so it was it wasn't just me we were all in the whole team was working on this and i'll tell you guys every single day i caught myself i caught myself uh you know butting all over all over the place and it let <laughs> tell you it takes time and it takes practice and i've I, so i've been in veterinary medicine almost 20 years now and i still catch myself saying but and and the the change for us was instead of saying but we're going to say and right so it's um andy you know, I, I can do that. And here's more information that I need you to have. Right. It changes the sentence from, OK, yeah. but and it has a very different feel to it. And I've been doing this for that long and I still catch myself regularly. And I'm be like, but I mean, and yes, yeah. <laughs> yes and yes, <laughs> or, and yeah, Andy, the, here's what you know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's and it is it is hard. And so don't um, the, the thing I was, the reason that I'm started this part of the conversation was don't beat yourself up because you will fail and you will fail again and again and again. And the thing that makes all the difference in the world is the intention that you put behind it on a personal level. And so if you're trying to make that change to should, I think when we're talking about toxicity, it's really, really important. 
and it's a very hard thing to do. And so don't, you know, if if you get started and you're in a role and then you slide back into thinking in, in the context of shoulds, like, oh, if she would only do this or, you know, if only the clients, you know, I wish they, they should do this. Why aren't they doing it? If you find yourself thinking that, know that that it's going to happen and give yourself the grace to say, oh, okay, but yeah. also know that you were in, see, I just did it and know that you were in control of it and you can change you can change that. Yeah. You can make the conscious choice to say, okay, I did it. And I'm going to reframe that thought for myself. Yeah. We can all work on our butts. Yes. <laughs> we can all work on our butts. We can all work on our butts. <laughs> life, life lessons from Stephanie Goss for the week. That's we can right. all work on our butts. Yeah. And there's and playing with your doodles. Good for your soul. That's, that's what I, that's Andy Rourke's lesson. Um, oh God. Oh, this episode definitely needs it. <laughs> disclaimer at the front of it all right so we i couldn't like i was like you should just let that go i just like yeah you know, that yeah. nine-year-old okay. living inside me was like nope it's fantastic right. okay, so we cool. so we ate so, the frog right the should, so is, should the, is the big yes. big piece of it okay so then so then what else can, if we if we change if we let go of the should and we recognize we have no control and people are not going to do what we want them to necessarily and we can't influence that and we can't we can't change that we yep. can control ourselves if we tackle that piece from an action perspective and we start looking at things from what do i have direct control over what can i change then then what else where do what else what else do we need to think of yeah, from no, the plan I, of attack i want to make a bigger deal out of what you just said so yeah i do think i do think there's the mindset and then there really is the what do i have direct control over what can i change and that's it just say what do i not need approval to do here, what ownership do I have? And that's the way that I uh, that I work up the cases, the way I go into the exam room, the way I treat the technicians, the, you know what I mean? The way that I work with the clients, I have great control over a lot of things. Can I be happy with just the things I have control over? And I think, I think really thinking about what do we actually control and leading into that, a lot of times that can give us the outlet that we need to feel like we have, uh, you know, we have some control, like we have some autonomy. And so think about the autonomy that you do have. And a lot of times that can be sort of a salve for for the irritation of, of working inside of a system that that's not perfect. The, the other, I, I want to talk about the three sort of pieces of advice I tend to give people when they're trying to get an organization to, to change with them, right? And so you've got some ideas and you see some some ways to, to move forward. Th three pieces of advice. Number one is start small in your asks. I think a lot of times people go, I never ask for anything and this is the one thing that I want. It's a huge thing. And they get frustrated. Um, so I never ask for anything, but I just asked for a $60,000 ultrasound machine and they said yeah. no. And they said no. How could they do that? And I go, okay, you yeah. have no, it's like, it's like buying something on credit when you've never used a credit card before. Like yeah. you have no credit. Yeah. And so small, start small in your asks. Are there little things that would be fairly easy for them to do that would make your life better or the life of the staff better? Can you and, buy them and, a printer? Exactly right. And, and I, I love, well, I love your story about that of, of coming into the new job and saying, what can I do in the front desk? Like we need a printer. And you had, you went at lunchtime and bought it. And they were like, this is amazing. Like that's, those, those are the things that you go, this is a $75 ask. Like, just tell, like, uh -huh. can we just do this? Uh -huh. But are there, are there small wins that we can get? Right. Number two is lean into pilot programs. If you go and you make an ask and it requires the whole hospital changing, that's scary. It's a much easier ask to say, can I do this just from just from me and my techs mm -hmm. for uh, six weeks mm -hmm. and try it out and see how it goes? Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah. And so make the stakes low, make the ask small. Um, and uh, and then the last thing is align your programs with the company motivators. And if these guys are... Um, if they are trying to increase, um, you know, senior wellness uh, visits, how does the thing that you want fit into senior wellness? Mm -hmm. If you want to update your anesthesia protocols, how does that translate into dental health as the company says we're prioritizing dental in the next quarter? Sure. Right. Just just take a moment to think about what the management leadership is going to care about and think about how your ideas could support and improve their ideas. Ideally, what happened, what, what I really want is I want to, um, I want to not worry about the credit. I just want the change to happen. So my life is better. 
And so I would like to take an idea to, the, to my manager and give it to him or to her and say, what do you think about this? And I would like for them to take that idea, get excited about it because it matches up with the initiative that they're being asked to carry, and then let them turn around and hand it up the chain to their boss and go, look at this idea <laughs> and let them have the credit. That's fine. I get to do the thing that I want to do, mm -hmm. but that's only going to happen if I can go. And they may not have the vision to see how what I want intersects with what they want. But if I can help them see how this is going to help them meet the requirements that are being put upon them, a lot of times I can get them much more excited than I would otherwise be able to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think those are those are great. And then I think the the last thing for for plan of attack from our writer was really they they were like, I I feel stuck because I know that I could of course go somewhere else mm -hmm. and there's all these there's all these things that impact that and it, and it's a choice and I appreciated that they clearly had been listening and had recognized that we said look you were in control of this yep. and that is one way that you can choose to go and I I think being being an associate whether you're an associate veterinarian whether you're a member of the paraprofessional staff when you are not the the business owner, you have to recognize that mm -hmm. you are not in full control. And there are, but to your point, there are still a lot of things that you can control. And I think too often we overlook those. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, ultimately the last thing for, in terms of deciding, am I going to like, is this the right environment for me or am I toxic because of the environment? There's right. two pieces that I have to look at, which is um, if you're not in control, if the same and someone else is when the same things happen over and over and over again, at some point, it's not a surprise anymore. It's your business yeah. model. And so if you're an associate vet or your paraprofessional staff member and you have been asking for change or you have been, there are things that the owners have been blatantly brought, had awareness brought to them about. Mm -hmm. um, does doesn't matter what it is. When it's repeated over and over and over again, it doesn't change. At some point, you need to recognize, okay, well, you know, I I recognize these trees. I think we've been in this forest. Like this is not going to necessarily change. And so then you have to start looking internally about what control do I have here? Can I live with this? And this this goes to something you and I talk about quite regularly, which is you got to pick your poison. Yep. So can I can I live with this? Can I you know does this bother? How much does this really bother me? Can I live with it? Can I deal with it? Can I make? Can we compromise? Can I have a small change that will make me feel immensely better? And I'm just going to let the rest of it go. Yep. Or ultimately, is this are are these is this a thing or are these a series of things that if they don't change, I can't live with? Because right. if that's the case, the the control is solely in your hands. You can stay where you are and you can be miserable, go somewhere yeah. else and maybe have it be different, yeah. um, you know, but but you only you can control that. And so I think, you know, from from the plan of attack, I, I think. It feels very optimistic to me, even when someone is recognizing that they may be feeling kind of toxic where they're at, because realistically, there is a lot of a lot of this that is within their control. And I think it takes the self-reflection, like you said, to look at it and and figure out how do I feel about this? What what do I need here? What am I going to do about it? And it may still ultimately mean a change, which is scary. And it's why most of us are just like, well... I don't want to have to leave my job, you know? Well, I, I get that. And yeah. what if you leaving your job is the best thing for you or for your family yeah. or whatever? Like, so, you know, you still have choice there. And I think that that's really important. And really for me, it lets me look at it through a positive lens, right? Like yeah. I could I could change it around. It doesn't have to be final. If I'm, like you were talking earlier about the self-assessment, if I'm recognizing as a writer is like, I am feeling this way, it is not terminal. <laughs> It does yeah. not mean, you know, it does not mean that you need to uh, be sent off the island. You can still uh, make the choice to change things. Our our job is a relationship. I say that all the time, but yeah. I, I really do. That's how I look at it. Our job is a relationship. And um, if you're in a relationship and you go through the process of acceptance of the other person and the reality of the relationship and you look at yourself and you say what am i doing to contribute to the to the problems in this relationship and how can i change them and uh, you do both of those things and you look at the relationship and say i i have tried acceptance and i have 
looked at my own role in this and tried to make amends for it and tried to correct the behaviors that I was doing that were contributing to the toxicity of this relationship. Um, you then, after that, say, I've done these things. Is this relationship worth being in? And, mm-hmm. and, and then you've ultimately, you don't have control of the other side of the person in a relationship. And if you have told that person what you need or, or told them, meaning uh, your, your job, what you need and what you need to be happy, and you have tried to do the things on your side that you can, and they're not willing to meet you where you need to be, and they're not going to meet your needs, um, then you need to do what's, what's right for you. And that's probably leaving the relationship. And hey, leaving relationships is not fun. Nobody wants to, like, I'm not just like, hey, I want to mm-hmm. I want to get out of this, you know, right. um, and anyone who's been in a great long term relationship can tell you that they would take work. Right. And they take yes. sacrifice. I mean, yes. I, I can give you a bunch of Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes. I'm doing a lot of quotes today. Uh, <laughs> Ruth Bader Ginsburg quotes. I, I love, you know, like um, w- one of hers was um, marriage is 60, 40 both ways. And I love that, like the idea that everyone feels like they're giving more in a relationship. That's just what it means to be in a, in a, in a relationship. Yeah. And um, the other thing that, that Ruth said was, uh, in marriage, it's good to be a little bit deaf. And I think that that goes to the acceptance. And sometimes you're just like, yep, yes. I just, I'm yes. going to pretend that I didn't hear this and I'm just going to go on and, and just be, be happy in what I'm doing. And I think that that, I think all that's true. Uh, but at some point you look at the relationship and, and if it's if it's not what you need, then you have the choice of staying in this relationship or yeah. leaving the relationship. And if you're going to be angry every day that you're in a relationship, God, I, a, a good divorce beats a bad marriage. Uh, you know, like yeah. that's that that's kind of it. And man, yeah. there's a lot of metaphors uh, today from that. But anyway, <laughs> you get the idea. That That is really how I see it. But um, yeah. start with yourself and the things you can control, which is what is your headspace? Um, what changes can you make in your behaviors to make this all better? How can you communicate your needs in a uh, more productive way? And ultimately, if you do all those things and your needs are still not being met and you're frustrated every day, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I think you're going to need to make a change because you only get to go through this life one time mm-hmm. and you don't want to be miserable five days a week. Yeah, not at all. Awesome. Well, thanks for talking to this with me. Yeah, this is a good one. I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Have a fantastic week, everybody. Yeah, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.